Hey Dragons, welcome back to episode 37 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Uh, this episode is with author Dan O'Brien, um, B-R-I-E-N, uh, we made sure to clarify that on the podcast. He has a new book coming out called The Sixth Prime, a uh, really cool book, we talk about it on the podcast, as well as we talk a little Jean-Claude Van Damme, talk a little Bloodsport. Um, talk about dogs a little bit because his, his dog did join us on the podcast for a little bit. I hope you all enjoy that. Anyways, um, I hope everyone out there is having a good week. Uh, drop me a line. Let me know what you're up to. Would love to hear about it as well as, um, I, I want to encourage everyone to get involved in a nonprofit or a local charity or local government or something. The holidays are coming up. We all, um, time is, time is so valuable and some of us have it. Some of us don't have as much as others. Some of us have been given a lot in this life. So I just want to encourage everybody to give back, make somebody smile today, make somebody laugh. Um, do your part to help out other people in your area. It, it is so, so meaningful and you will never know the impact you can have on another human uh, that has never been more apparent to me than in the past few days anyways um drop me a line ken at dumbbellsanddragons.com would love to chat with you guys until then enjoy the conversation work out nerd out in the basement rolling Dragons, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Kenny Rotter here, host of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Today, I am being joined by Dan O'Brien, author, powerlifter, all-around badass. Um, <laughs> Dan, how you doing today? Great, man. I like that introduction. I'm going to start using that on all my social media. I like that. <laughs> Powerlifter, author, all-around badass. Badass, yeah, I dig that. Dude, it works, man, it works. Um, so, you know, you and I just got done talking a little bit, but tell everybody out there who you are, what you got going on. Um, yeah, tell us about yourself. Sure, so I've been writing since about 15, so 20, 20-something years now, kind of getting up there in terms of an old man. I just recently put out a new book called Six Prime. That's you know why I'm on the podcast today. Um, but I've been putting out books now for oh, it seems like uh, maybe 15, 18 years. So I put my first book out in my early 20s, and I kind of haven't stopped since. Mostly it's you know your traditional you know sci-fi, fair, and you know, a horror type genre stuff. That's awesome. I like it. I think it's a you know it's a it's a cool gig, and I've I've turned it from more of a hobby into a lifestyle. So I do it full time. I run a consulting business which kind of does, you know, editing and ghostwriting and things like that. Cause I've been, I've been in the bids for a while and I worked for magazines and traditional publishing houses and I've been an editor and, you know, I, I hung my shingle out once upon a time trying to be an agent and, you know, I, that didn't work, but, um, you know, I've, I've tried a little bit of everything and I've been a personal trainer and you know, I've done the other side of the stuff, the, the, the lifting side, 
I've always been a one of those odd people. I run on. I ran a half Ironman. I've been training for a full Ironman for a while. Oh, nice! Um, but I blew up my my shoulder not that long ago. I've been rehabbing that. Yeah, because you have in that you know Ironman training regimen, you start having to swim mile and a half, mile and three quarters. You know, I'm like a five nine hundred ninety five pound guy, so I don't. I'm not really built for swimming. Like that's not my ideal sport. Yeah. So like I kind of that with some you know kind of heavier lifting kind of kind of screw stuff up for me. But yeah, no, I I, uh, I try to balance that out. I just recently moved to Arizona to take care of my dad, uh, which I'm not super fond of. But you know, I'm you know <laughs> it is what it is. It's, it's hot, man. I mean, as you know, it's hot out here. Okay, okay. I was gonna say, uh, like, <laughs> you're not super fond of the weather in Arizona, not yeah. Cause, cause I was like, is he saying he's not super fond of his dad? Like, no, I was so, I was like, there was a, there was a semicolon in there that totally separated that out. I mean, just like, like I'm talking to Dragon Software, so they'd be like, no, semicolon. And then I really don't like the weather in Arizona. Yeah. yeah and I'm, I'm definitely not the weather. Wouldn't have moved all the way here if I didn't like my dad. Right? Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, oh, it's, we were kind of joking about it, you know, in the, the preamble there before the show started, you know, I'll take this dry heat, 120 plus degree heat over, over humidity any day of the week. So. I guess oh. it's yeah, not too much to complain about. I got I gotta ask. You said you started writing when you were fifteen. You pu- you've been publishing since you were early twenties. How did you know that that was the route you wanted to take? So I was one of those weird little kids that uh, I like to play sports, but I also really dug Dungeons and Dragons and stuff. And so I was a you know little dungeon master, and I used to love Legos. And you know me and my little brother, we'd make up stories and tell stories. And I kind of transitioned from, you know, telling stories in Dungeons and Dragons and Legos and silly stuff like that to getting college ruled, you know, notebook paper, putting in a three ring binder, writing stories, passing around to my friends. Uh, and then just kind of transitioned from there, you know, iteration by iteration. And, uh, and then right around I was 15 or 16, I had a, a college composition class. Um, I tried to, you know, I was one of those accelerated kids Anyways, the assignment was to write a short story, and the short story quickly became a longer story, and then it became, you know, what I thought at the time was a novel, which it wasn't. When you're 15, you think a novel is something that it really isn't. Uh, but anyways, you know, I gave it to my, my teacher, and I, I got an F on it because she told me to write a short story, and I wrote a novel. But anyways, uh, <laughs> you know, I eventually took that, and I, I you know, got all the books that you get. You know, this is all pre-self-publishing, uh, pre, you know, all the internet resources you could have. So I had to get one of those... Uh, Writer's guides. I don't know if you remember those, but they're yeah. you know those you know nine hundred page books with you know tips and tricks and every possible publisher. And I started buying those and looking through those and trying to figure out how to turn it into something. And then you know four or five years later, um, I, I eventually published it with a you know a now defunct publishing house, and it sold I don't know like twenty five copies. But it was a huge <laughs> it was a big deal for me. I thought, oh man, this is incredible. I had this book out, and people could read it, and I sold copies, and I made money off of it, and uh, and I just kind of never stopped. That's excellent. And I think, I think that's actually a really good lesson for people. 25 copies might mean, you know, to somebody that's a failure, but to sure. somebody else, it's 25 people. Read my book. <laughs> are, yeah. Like, that's incredible. The, the first time I, um, checked my statistics on the podcast, I was like, I didn't know whether to be happy or sad. Because I didn't know what the metric was for where I should be. Exactly, yeah. And then I just kind of got rid of the should, and I was like, you know what? This many people are listening to me talk to awesome people every week. Exactly. I mean, like, 
I always equated it to, to exercise, right? Because yeah, I've been a, an exercise geek my entire life. But you know, when I was 15, I could bench you know 205 or something. And at the time, I thought, man, this is super, super strong. Until I looked over at you know a guy who's in his late 20s, been doing it you know for 10 plus years, and he's benching three plates. I'm like, well, I'm kind of a weakling. I can only do it once. But you know, I wasn't. You gotta you gotta ratchet up to it. And of course, you just you stick with it and you keep redefining your goals. And then, like you said, it's the right metrics. You gotta look at it through a lens that makes sense for, you know, where you're at, what you're capable of doing, you know, and how close to what, what you shot for. So yeah. I mean, it, that that's totally on point. Yeah, absolutely. And oh, yeah, that's, that's so true. So I just want everyone out there to just take that away that, you know what, don't, don't try to lift 205 your first time out. Don't yeah, you try. Don't, <laughs> don't, you don't squat three plates right out the gate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a pro, it's process. Yeah, you don't you don't sell. You don't become a New York Times bestseller on your first book. Yep. You know, not all of us can be um, Stephen King or J.K. Rowling or any of those yeah. like, right out the gate. I mean, there there are two good examples because Stephen King's first book. When you go back and actually look, Christine's. So when you go back and look at it for what it was, you think. Wow, that that's a huge success because you all remember the you know the and the, and the maximum overdrive and all those really silly car ones he had. Um, but he was an English teacher trying to just get his books out there in the same way that J.K. Rowling was just a, you know a book and an English teacher. And her first book only sold I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was less than two thousand copies in the UK before she came here, got an, you know a, a stateside publisher, and all of a sudden it took off. She had to go into book clubs, and of course now we all know who J.K. Rowling is. You know, one of the first billionaire writers that ever was. Um, but she didn't come out the gate thinking, man, I'm going to be who she is now. She just wanted to do it and had enough confidence in it and kept setting, you know, like I said, ratcheting up those goals and uh, not coming around the gate thinking, man, if I don't. And I mean, I work with a lot of authors that are first time authors that think it's funny because I'm sure you've heard this before, either from people on the show or, you know, people, you know, and they're like, no, man, people are going to love this book. It's going to be a huge deal. And everybody's going to buy it. And it's like, well. Maybe, but the, the better mindset would be I'm writing this because I really want to put it out and I have some very modest goals that I can reach and use those goals to build the bigger goals. Otherwise, you're expecting 100,000 copies to sell week one and one copy sells. If you're lucky, you're going to be just destroyed and devastated. So I, it's the mindset for sure. No, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I remember I was so hesitant to start publishing podcasts I, I recorded them. I had a I had a treasure trove of conversations right. that I had recorded, edited, were ready to publish, and then I never hit the submit button. Yeah. Because I was like, what if I fail? And then part of me was like, well, what if I succeed? What do I do if this becomes like a huge thing? Which, let's be honest, there are worse problems to have. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, success is a, a great problem to have. But part of me was just like, I just wanted to be a podcaster. And I sure. was like, you know what? If if every episode only gets four downloads, then it only gets four downloads. And those four downloads would be my wife and me <laughs> on three of my devices. There you go. I mean, <laughs> but even that, I mean, the, the important thing there is you did it when others didn't. I, uh, I mean, pr- much like a lot of other lifters that are my age and maybe a little younger, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the guy, right? You know, pumping iron. You know, I got his the encyclopedia of muscle. I mean, that that was as a little kid, man. That, that's all I cared about. Um, but but he always has this idea when he's talking, and you know, I'll I'll admit that I've listened to Arnold's speeches before, <laughs> especially you know oh, yeah. later in age and stuff. But he always talks about you know failing forward and not being afraid to fail 
at any point in your life. And if that, if you let fear of failure keep you from doing something, um, then not only not ever going to achieve what you set out to do, then you're just always going to be afraid. Nothing's going to come along and, and help you not be afraid. So you got to be willing to fail and make, you know, failure a part of success. And, yeah. uh, you know, and I, it didn't, that didn't necessarily drive me as a person, but I always kind of go back to it because for lifting, that, that was definitely a goal. And for writing, that's kind of how I treat my writing. Whenever I put a new book out, I don't think but my, my one vain hope every time I put a book out is, you know, maybe at least one person will read it. <laughs> and that's yeah. a really low bar, right? That's really easy to achieve. <laughs> and uh, especially now after, you know, putting out a bunch of books and having an audience. But I still use that as a stepping block because then it's like, okay, well, that was easy. Let's, let's, let's pick a slightly harder goal. I mean, you know, so many reviews or, you know, or so many downloads or whatever it is. And they kind of ratchet up from there. But I, if I just waited to publish forever, you know what I mean? Like, just like you, I had, you know, piles of books that were, you know, mostly finished, but I, I was too, uh, you know, reticent maybe to actually put them out. But once I started doing it, I was like, nah, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, I can't imagine my life not doing this. So why would I do anything else? There you go. That's, that's the key. If, if you cannot imagine yourself doing anything else. Yeah. That's what you should be doing. Um, you mentioned Arnold and I love, I love Arnold. Arnold is just an all time hero of mine, but do you have any other heroes or a source of inspiration or who's your favorite superhero? Anything like that? Um, I mean, I I always had this really odd thing that I used to say to people that, that kind of gets twisted. You know, the the biggest inspiration for me is myself, you know, I'm my own worst enemy and I'm also the best possible version of something I could be. But you know, like everybody, I love Batman. I'm a huge Batman nerd. <laughs> um, I actually like Franco Colombo because he's about my height. I'm a little taller than him, but uh, oh right. And Frank Zane. Um, I love Ferrigno because of the lisp, especially in you know Pumping Iron. Um, it's tough not to like uh, Dorian Yates and a lot of those other you know bodybuilders. Uh, Pujanowski. I don't know if you ever watched Strongman Competition, but uh, he was a Lithuanian dude, just crazy, crazy strong. Um, that's, that's awesome. I actually had. Uh... Louis Ferrigno Jr. Oh, yeah? On the podcast uh, about a month or so ago. Brad. Yeah. He's he's the funniest guy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I actually had the pleasure of of seeing Lou uh, Sr. in person at his bodybuilding competition, um, the Ferrigno Legacy, Mm -hmm. in, in Palm Springs last year. And he's just... You, you would not, like, age does not stop that man. Oh, sure. I mean, him and Kazmaier. Kazmaier is still a beast, and he's, what, 68 now or something? Oh, yeah. He still looks like a monster. And he, <laughs> okay, Stallone is close to 70. And I know. Looks phenomenal. Yeah, it's outrageous. I mean, part of that, I think, is the, you know, the dietary regimen. Like, he has access to stuff a lot of guys don't. Um, but still, yeah, no, he looks incredible. There's a lot, of, even, uh, oh God, it's just I lost right there. Where'd he go? Went away. Um, no. Van Damme, Van Damme, I mean, Van Damme in the, he, he's looking old in the face, but there's a funny pilot that came out. They do that, you know, Amazon pilot season. John Claude Van Johnson. John Claude Van Johnson. And I was like, I always liked his movies because they were kind of just a little bit weirder than like the Stallone ones, you know, and the Arnold ones. And, uh, but he, he looked pretty good. I was like, holy crap. He's, he's gotta be what? Mid, mid to late fifties, maybe even early sixties. Oh yeah, he's, he's still looks. Easy. Yeah, it's right. Bloodsport was what the mid eighties. Um, and he was probably in his twenties. Yeah, 20s, early thirties. Yeah, yeah, that easily. Yeah, he's easily in his late fifties, early, you know, early sixties. All right, favorite Van Damme movie. 
Oh, wow. Um, you know, like favorite in terms of quality or like the, the one I'll watch regardless of how good it is? User defined. Favorite. I'm saying probably regardless of the quality. Bloodsport. Bloodsport's always the go-to. I, it's so silly. It's like Mortal Kombat before Mortal Kombat was a thing. You're going to get I, involved I, in the Kumite? The Kumite. I got to go to the Kumite. Especially the montage of where they're, he's fighting at his, uh, his mentor's house. It's just so silly. Like the, the whole part of it is, is kind of ridiculous. I, uh, I grew up doing a lot of martial arts too, you know, largely in part to, you know, Bruce Lee and you know, all those guys back in the day. And, uh, but that part always tickled me as a kid. I got a funny story for Bloodsport. When I was a little kid, you know, my brother used to love that movie. You know, we, we'd, every time it came on, we'd watch it and we'd get all crazy with it. And there's that part where Van Damme does the, you know, the spinning heel kick. Like he's all the way, he's a complete split off the ground. And my brother, he's probably, he's four years younger than me. So I was probably eight or nine. So he's probably like five or six, somewhere in there. And he tries to do it and he lands in a split and we had to take him to a hospital. But he, every time he did it, he would just try to do it every single time, even though, we, you know, we hadn't started martial arts yet. And he just, that was the thing. He wanted to be able to do that one thing. And, um, it just, to this day, I can't turn to that and not, and not imagine that. The other one is Time Cop, because Time Cop is gloriously bad. Like, it's oh, just, yeah. it's bad on a level that, that it's just watchable. It's like Running Man. I'm not even sure Running Man is a good movie, but I just kind of love it. Because oh, it's I so off. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, because it's like perfect, you know, noir sci fi without actually having the writing to support it. At least Total Recall and stuff, you have Philip K. Dick in the mix. But um, I mean, Running Man might have been based on a Philip K. Dick story. I, right after I said that, I think that might be the case. But either way, um, yeah, I love all those. Um, oh, very so, silly. Oh, those are great. So Time Cop, I first, I think that first came out when I was like 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. And it was, I'm fairly certain it is the first movie with nudity I ever saw. Is there a new thing at that? The opening scene. Oh, there is. You're right. You're right. You're right. There where is, the yeah. guy is using VR to look at some naked girl on like red satin sheets. Yep, that's right. Um, because it was Demolition Man had that. There, there were like three movies that all did the uh, the VR thing. The VR. It, it was because Demolition Man had it when when he goes into the apartment. That's how they communicate and have yeah. sex. And then it was Time Cop, and there was. Uh, I want to say Virtuosity. It might have been. Is that the one with uh, Denzel and and Russell Crowe? Crow? Yeah, it might have been. That might have been the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. I um I can't tell you how many times I watched that opening scene as a 12 year old. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Mine just showed out a little Tokyo. Remember that with Dolph Lundgren? It was Tia Carrera, but it wasn't really Tia Carrera, and it was a. Uh, oh uh, yeah. Because that had Brandon Lee. I thought Brandon Lee was gonna be like the next super action star, and uh, I used to think he was like the Crow and stuff. I mean, I was probably. When that week on early nineties, that was probably fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, sadly, I still think he could have been. Um, yeah, well, the crow, crow is so good. Like it, it defied what was honestly kind of a crappy script, and he just he was the part. I mean, in, in every possible conceivable, just like I mean, not that he's as good of an actor as a lot of other actors that did that, but he so embodied the role. Like I love Guardians of the Galaxy, and I kind of love it because every character feels right. Oh yeah, like I. Vin Diesel, I'm not, I'm not a huge Vin Diesel fan. I mean, I, I've watched some of his movies, but just saying I am Groot over and over again reminded me of Iron Giant. I was like, that's the perfect thing for him. He just has like three words, and that's, I am Superman. Like that, that's it. I am Groot. That's, he's, his voice just, oh, I love Iron Giant too, and I'm gonna get all sad, but, um, <laughs> that's a great movie, but it's sad. It's one of those like ultra sad kids movies that kind of sneak up on you, like spirited away and stuff. Um, but I got all off topic there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, man. Um, 
since we kind of just nerded out on Van Damme and then movies in general, um, what is your all-time favorite area of nerdiness? Wow. That's a tough one because it transitioned a lot. Because I would say from about seven or eight until, God, it was maybe 13 or 14, it was comic books. Like, For sure. Like, I had a room full of comic books. I took a summer job as, like, a, I jockeyed a counter at a comic book store so I could get free comics. Um, <laughs> I love comic books. I was, that was, like, my thing for a really long time. And then it would transition into kind of just general sci-fi. Because I was always kind of a, you know, a Trekkie, Star Wars nerd. Um, especially then the offbeat stuff. Like, I love Dune. My all-time favorite sci-fi novel is Dune. Um, oh, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't really care for any of the adaptions, necessarily. I kind of like Children of Dune that had a... A young witz's face that plays Professor X now. I get, he was in that movie where you get Ben Bullets. I can't think of his name. Oh, McAvoy. Um, yeah, McAvoy. McAvoy played, uh, you know, uh, the, the lead in that. But, um, you know, I probably still comic books. Comic books and anything related to comic books. I mean, I'll probably fall back on that. Because in the end, I had comic books for properties that I liked outside of it. So, like, I had all the Star Wars comics. Yeah. Even though I love Star Wars. I had the Star Trek comics. Even though it was Conan. I loved the old Conan comics. But I loved Conan as, like, a movie. Um, Do you still read comics? Sadly, I don't as much anymore. I read a, a lot of digital. I mean, I have a lot of the digital subscriptions that you can, that like, counts? read. It, it kind of, I mean, I, I kind of still, I'm old school in that way. Like, think about comics, think about, like, going to the store, buying them, putting, you know, the backboard on it, put it in the plastic, you know, read it really carefully, like it's hermetically sealed, so I don't damage the comic book. Um, <laughs> but what killed is I, uh, I, I've lived all over the place. I used to move every year. And when I was in uh, high school, I lived down in Wyoming. And I, uh, we were about to move from one town to another. So I, I took this really packed van that we had because we were moving all of our stuff, you know, my parents' stuff, my, my own. And I drove to go see my girlfriend. <laughs> and the van caught on fire and just burnt <laughs> cinders. Oh my and God. All my comics were in it. All my, like, you know, playing card, like, you know, weird little collectible, you know, Marvel and DC cards and shit I had. All gone. <laughs> so an entire collection just destroyed. And, uh, I just never picked it up again after that. That's. It's kind of disappointing. I was like, because I'd like, you know, I'd have like super expensive comics, but I had like, you know, an amazing Spider-Man 48 or something. It was like, wow, yeah. really old and brittle and kind of cool. And I had a Wolverine number one and all the stupid crap when you're, you know, a little kid. It's like, wow, it's amazing. New Mutants 88 and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I'd say comic books. I mean, the answer, you know, that was a long-winded answer to a simple question. But, you know, I would say comic books and comic book related stuff in general. I'm still, like, oh. especially the movies now. I love it. All, almost all the adaptions, with the exception of Dawn of Justice, I kind of dug. <laughs> and even then, I didn't hate it as much as I just felt like it desperately, desperately needed an editor. Yeah. Like, someone would say, Snyder, come on, man. You made 300, it was okay. You didn't destroy Watchmen too much. You just destroyed Batman and Superman. Like, one fell swoop. Like, just, you didn't even have to try that hard to destroy it. But there were parts of it that are really, really kind of neat. You know, minus the, the you know, spoiler alert, that ridiculous doomsday thing at the end that wasn't doomsday. Um, yeah. No. Um, and we have a three-day rule on spoilers, so... Okay, we're well we, beyond that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we only give spoiler alerts if it's been within three days. If you don't... Then too bad, too sad. Yeah, it, it, it's if you don't um, make it a priority to see something within three days of it coming out... You don't care that much. <laughs> it's it's you. It's not that important to you. Yeah, I felt that way about Game of Thrones though, because I'm a. I used to love fantasy novels. I mean, anything Tor books put out, I used to read religiously. Like they oh, put yeah. it in a book out, even if it was one of those tomes. And you know, Game of Thrones came out in the '90s when people are complaining about spoilers for the show. I'm like, the book's been out for 20 years. Like, I'm not sure <laughs> it's a spoiler at this point. If you, if you don't realize that, uh, you know, uh, 
Ned Stark gets killed in season one. I hate to be the one to break it to you, but it happened 23 years ago. Like, <laughs> calm down. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I, I got into, like, not an internet fight, but I had a, a bunch of friends. I was, I taught college for a little while and had all these professors that I used to hang out with. And we were all on, like, a Facebook group together or something. I was kind of just talking about Game of Thrones and she just went crazy on me. Her and her, her husband. I was like, it's not really a spoiler. Like, go read the book. It's been out for so long. But they were really upset that I was, like, talking about it kind of in this, uh, uh, and it was well after the season ended too. It wasn't. I mean, if I was observing the three day rule, it was like twenty times. I was like, we're in the middle of July or something. The season's been over forever. Um, but yeah, anyways, I. Yeah, you. I'm with you, and let's <laughs> let's be honest. Novels have been spoiling HBO shows for like for forty years. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's just how uh, that goes. For sure. So so transitioning into fitness, what what got you into fitness, man? Um, honestly, my dad, he was, uh, you know, old school in that way. Like fitness was just a part of his life. And so as a little kid, you know, I, he bought me like a little weightlifting set, right? had a little bar and a little, those little crappy plastic weights that were probably three pounds. And of course there's a cute little picture of me like, you know, pressing it over my head. Um, but I just, I, I was kind of built for it. Like I have the right frame. You know what I mean? I'm not at five nines, not particularly tall, you know, I have wide shoulders, wide hips. So it was really easy for me to get strong really, really quick. Um, even as a kid, like I got, I was five, eight, five, seven, five, eight, 165, 170 pounds by eighth grade. So I was, I never got much bigger than that. <laughs> That's kind of when I peaked. So it, it just had like a natural fit for me and, and I liked it cause it was organized. I liked the idea of seeing small incremental growth. Um, and there was always a gym somewhere, you know I mean? I, I just kind of grew up going to the gym all the time. So it just kind of transitioned into it being just a natural part of my life. And I was an adult, I do it because it – I've had some of my greatest ideas for books lifted, honestly. Like I'll be sitting there and I'll be in the middle of a set and I'll have this really like wild idea about something. I'll think, man, I don't, I'm not sure if I would have had that idea if I wasn't you know, kind of sitting right here doing this. Uh, but yeah, moving around a lot and stuff, it, it was a constant. It was that one thing that I could always – no matter what town we were in or you know where we were at or what was going on, um, the gyms, the gyms, the gyms, the gym. You know, I mean, the, the iron's the iron, a bench is a bench, a 45 plate is a 45 plate, no matter, no matter where you go. Um, <laughs> and it just had a really, you know, calming influence, like something I could always kind of go do regardless of where I was at. And it just, con- you know, conditioned me in that way. Um, but I found it useful for my whole life. But uh, a lot of folks, I, I mean, a lot of people that don't really dig lifting, and I, I always have a, <laughs> it's a weird disconnect for me because I just don't understand how you, I couldn't enjoy it, but you know, it's not for everybody, I suppose. No, I hear you, man. And that's one of the things that I constantly hear from people is that they're not motivated to do it. Ugh, you will never get motivated. It's like being motivated for writing. Like you need to be in a creative space. You need to be in a space where you want to write something. Like that's a that's a that, that's a conditioned response. Like I'm not motivated to exercise. You motivated to do everything else? You motivated to not exercise? You found a way to you know, create a really great framework for that? Not motivated enough. I hate that. I can't stand that. It's an excuse. It drives me crazy. Oh. See, I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of agree with you, but my flip take on it is nothing about it says you have to be motivated. Sure. Yeah. Sure, motivation makes things easier, but to do a push-up, you don't need to be motivated. You lie on the ground, you push up. <laughs> Sure. Uh, you fall on the ground and you have a desire to get back up because you don't want to continue laying on the ground. You don't even have to have a desire. That's true. I, that, like, that's if true. I'm, yeah. If I'm lying on the ground, 
I might want to stay lying on the ground, but I still push myself up and I go back to work or whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing. I actually have a theory why people don't like exercise in general. And and it's to me it's less about motivation, it's more about uh, you know, you know, another spoiler, they're not spoiler, but you know, caveat. Um I went to graduate school for psychology. Exercise is not an immediate reward, it's the it's delayed reward, reward, right? So you're not going to get something from going to the gym once. You're not going to get yes. something from going to the gym 20 times. You maybe not you might not even get something from going to the gym 100 times. You get it somewhere way out there when you've set goals and you've reached goals and you've developed some kind of rhythm with it that that's moving towards something which is a lifestyle, right? Um, it's not motivation. It's not being able to reap an immediate reward, right? So if I'm hungry and I want something sweet and I go in my fridge and I eat a piece of cake, that is immediate, right? You know, your pleasure centers are activated. You get the sugar. You get the sugar high. You feel something immediately, right? There's a sense of happiness. You go to the gym. If you haven't been to the gym most of your life, it's just kind of exhausting, right? You're going to go there and like, I'm gonna go. Or you go and you kind of do the half-assed workout, right? You like go walk on the treadmill and you kind of look at a machine and you know, read the instructions and you're like, I think I got to go like this. And you'll do one set of eight and be kind of excited for yourself. And there's nothing against it. I mean, I, I, I don't want to denigrate anybody that just goes to the gym and does it small if their goal is to start small and then have something downstream. I find most people don't have a – or they'll set goals that are so easily achievable that there's no reason to ever go beyond them. Like me and my wife have this discussion a lot because she's one of those like naturally thin people. Like she's just a small built person and she doesn't eat a lot so she's just small. But she hates to exercise. Like she – I mean if we're going hiking or something, she loves that. You know, if we go, we go snowboarding or something. But if it's going to the gym four or five times a week or something, hates it, can't stand it. And uh, whenever we go, and I'm like, well, set a goal, pick something. Like you want to run a certain minute mile or you want to be able to squat blank or you want to be able to do so many pull-ups or something. And she doesn't like those. What she likes to do is pick something like I want to go to the gym four days a week. And it's like that's it's such a bad goal because you could just show up and do nothing. And then once you achieve that, you go to the gym four days a week. You do absolutely nothing. You see no results and you don't understand how to you know transition that into another goal. Um by the way, this is by I think I've probably been on hundreds of radio shows. I never get to talk about fitness, so this is a this is a oh. fun experience for me. I never nice. nobody ever cares. Nobody ever cares. <laughs> nobody ever cares. Well, not like that. I mean, they just they need to start caring. Wouldn't that be a great thing? Yeah, but I mean, it never comes <laughs> up, right? You're on a, you know, some show talking about TV shows or, or books or something. Nobody really wants to know what you bench or how you you know what you're training for. That's never the end of the conversation, dude. That's why we're here, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you got the the appropriate moniker for it, so that that yes. works. now um so you're fit you're a fit guy i'm assuming you live a fairly healthy lifestyle yeah i mean a lot of it's by default now but yeah um Um, do you have a favorite cheat meal um gelato (laughs) yeah i love gelato Uh, specifically uh there's like this chocolate hazelnut gelato that I just – yeah, when I, live, when I used to live in Portland, there was this great little Italian shop. It, it was you know, a full-service restaurant, but they, they made their own gelato in-house, and he made this you know, crazy Nutella hazelnut gelato thing. And like every Sunday at 11 a.m., my cheat day, that was – I was in there getting my little scoop. And uh, to the, yeah, I just – it's fantastic. Yeah, gelato. Yeah. That's awesome. Gelato is delicious, and now I kind of just want some. I know, right? <laughs> oh, oy vey. So what what motivates you to get up in the morning to wake up and either tackle that next book idea or tackle a new PR in the gym? 
Um, they're both kind of the same motivation, you know, not to, not to use that word again, but, you know, for writing and for books in general, it's because I have an idea of, you know, where I want to be. So when I get up every morning, I think I'm not there yet. What can I do today that'll help me get there? And for the gym, it's kind of the same thing. It used to be, it was, I was all about personal best. It was all about, you know, what am I going to bench this week? Or what am I going to squat this week? Or what am I going to do eight weeks out? Um, I got a lot of joint problems now and stuff, so I can't lift as heavy as I used to. So for me now, it's, you know, can I hit a certain body fat percentage or something like that? And I used to, when I get up, you know, the goal is like, well, I'm not there yet. And I want to get there. And getting there is more important. And this is always, you know, to me, key. And I, I feel like it's, you know, a lot of people don't do it. My goals are more important than doing anything else. So when I get up and I want to go work out, I want to work on a book, there's a million other things I can do. Right? I can be distracted by anything in my house, right? Anything outside. Um, but none of that is as important as the goal. So when I get up in the morning, the goal is the most important thing. And if I'm not there yet, then I'm going to work toward it. If I've reached my goal, well, I'm not satisfied. So I need to set a new goal. And then that new goal becomes the thing that I get up for every day. Um, but yeah, setting goals. I mean, that, that's why I get up in the morning. That's why I do what I do. That's why I work hard towards something. Is I just I have goals. I want to reach them. And I don't ever want to be complacent or satisfied with with what I have. I want I want to, I know I can do more, so I, I do more. I have a question for you. Do you have games on your mobile device? Games? What do you mean? Games. Like, do you like have... App? Yeah, like, like an app. Yeah, no, no, I, I know you meant... Yeah, I meant you like, like a... Like, I have Monopoly. I love Monopoly, but n- not much more than that. Okay, because I've found myself... I am more... I get more accomplished when I don't have games or meaningless apps on my phone. Yeah, I mean, distractions are never are never help with reaching goals. I mean, I... I'm a remove, I'm a remove the antecedent kind of guy. So, you know, in a behavior relationship, you have the antecedent, the thing that precedes the behavior that you want that you then reward. So, um, just like with food, right? I, you know, in a perfect world, I could eat whatever the hell I wanted and it wouldn't matter. But, uh, I love gelato. I don't have it in the freezer unless it's a cheat week. So I, I just remove that from existence. It's not, I mean, it's not possible that I could ever get that unless I, you know, kind of put it in my environment. I do love to play video games though, but I, I don't know. I developed such a, a behavior change for it that I, I don't ever find myself feeling like, oh man, I need to go down. To the, oh, binging TV shows though. Right now we're in the middle of Fargo. So if you've seen Fargo, I realize we said a three day spoiler rule, but God damn it. I haven't finished it yet. Um, <laughs> I, I hadn't watched it. I don't, there was no good reason why I hadn't watched it, but I hadn't. And now the wife and I are watching I'm like, holy crap. How did we miss out on this? See, I, this is an incredible TV show. And sometimes I'll feel like that. I'll be like, oh man, I need to like just one more episode. But then I don't do it anyways. I go do whatever I got to do and then come back and watch it. But that's the closest thing for me. Yeah, I'm getting pretty close to deleting a bunch of games off my phone again just because I've noticed that when I have downtime, I won't spend it doing something I could or should or would be doing. Instead, I boot up a quick little game and I play it. Um have you ever and, thought to build contingencies? Right. So I, I had a buddy of mine that uh, wanted to be a writer, and he, he can never find time to write. And he, what's that app? Uh, that is an app game where you like build up your little cities, and other cities attack you. They got the cute little commercials. I want to like, like the Clash, orange, of, 
Clash yeah, of Clans. Yeah, yeah. Clash of Clans, that was anyways. He played Clash of Clans and he played it religiously, right? And if he didn't play it, then his his cities would get destroyed, right? Because everybody's always playing it all the time. I said the real you know, the really obvious thing is this is the most important thing to you in the world. I mean, not really, but it's the most important disposable thing that you have. You know, and that isn't sleep or that isn't food or that isn't your job. I said, don't do that thing unless you do something else. So make playing your little Clash of Clans game contingent on doing blank, whatever it is. And he's like, yeah, but what if I don't do it? And I was like, well, then you don't get Clash of Clans. He's like, yeah, but I, what if I just decide not to do it? And I'm like, I can't help you. That's like saying you want to go on a diet or you want to exercise and I, you build a plan for me and don't do it anyways. I can't help you then. Like, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to do that step. I, I can't force feed you to do that step. But setting up contingencies is one of those really I – mean, and I, I only bring it up because it's one of the things for writing that's really useful too – is don't try to write a chapter a day. Don't try to write a book a day. Try to write 200 words and then reward yourself with something that you really, really value, something that you couldn't do without, like playing a little Clash of Clans game. And anyways, long story short, he started doing that and he found like, wow, I, I get, I'm getting writing done now. And eventually he was writing more without the reward. And I was like, well, that's how, <laughs> that's how behavior works. But, um, he was really, really excited about it. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, I would delete them. If, if they're getting in the way of a goal, man. Oh, yeah, I need to, I need to blow it up. Yeah, I do. Um, oh, just because, like, yeah, I could say to myself, "Oh, just don't open the app." Sure, but it's right there. <laughs> immediate. That's what they're built for, man. Like immediate, immediate gratification. Oh uh, yeah, and I it's do like, it. yeah, and it's like, it's like, but if I delete it, I I know that if I want to play this game, I've got to. Go to the app store and install it and use my data and then reload all my old memory, my saved data from this other account. And that's just too much work. <laughs> I mean, that, to me, that's always been the thing with uh, people who don't have food discipline. It's like, don't put it in your fridge, man. Oh, like that, that blows. I, I, my mother, my mother on <laughs> this, like, like flames, flames, flames on the side of my face. No, um, um, my mother will constantly say that she doesn't have the like control not to eat the ice cream that's in the freezer or whatever. And I'll be like, but you have the control to, to buy it. Not get in the car, not drive to the store, not yep. get out of the car, not go into the store, not pick yep. it up from the aisle. Like, you have to do so much more work to get these things into your house. Yep. Like, and, but people don't recognize that. People, it doesn't click for some people. That's because that, that's restriction versus, you know, resource, right? So when you're restricting something, it feels like there's this really large impediment. Um, to having do it, having to do it, but if you're if it's always there, like you know, you you think I don't want ice cream, it's like yeah, but I'd have to not eat ice cream. <laughs> That's a really hard thing to do. Um, I know, right? But when you go to the store, you just you don't write it on your list, you don't go down the aisle. That's it. I mean, you just you ignore it like it's you got an allergy to it. I mean, I. That's how I've always looked at it. If there's something I don't want to eat, or I feel like if I eat it, it's gonna you know hurt me in some way or damage a goal. I just pretend like I'm allergic to it. And just adopt that mindset. I'm like, I get, I'll get sick if I eat it. Yeah. I'll, I'll honestly like just – I've been out with the wife at some point and I've been like, nah, I don't want to eat that. She's like, why? I've convinced myself I'm allergic to it and I'll get sick. So I don't eat it. You know, when I have cheesecake, why? When I go out to eat and we're in a nice restaurant, well, because I'll get sick and you know, I don't want to eat it. It's For like, sure. 
And that way I don't eat it, right? Because it, yeah. otherwise it's like, it's pretty easy to be like, yeah, I'll take that and then eat it. And you're like, damn it, why did I do that? And I've ruined <laughs> all this hard work for nothing. All right. Um, I want to transition a little yeah. bit to current events. So, you know, we have a sure. saying here, it's work out, nerd out. So sure. what did you do to work out, nerd out this week? That is one nerdy thing you did and then one health and fitness thing you did. Okay, so this week I started doing three days, which is my my workout <laughs> uh, crazy thing. Um, I have some kind of borderline unrealistic goals I'm going for. Yeah, and my, my jaw just dropped because I'm like, I'm like, I did a 12 week program of two a days, and I wanted to kill myself. It looked <laughs> great, but I wanted to kill myself. I already do two a days. I, I've, a long time ago, I broke up uh, cardio and heavy powerlifting. <laughs> And so I, you know, I'll do, let's say I do like chest in the morning or something. I'll go really, really heavy on chest, you know, five, five by five or something like that. And then at night I'll do, you know, maybe four to six sets of something at high reps plus 25, 35 minutes of cardio. So I already kind of did that a, a while ago because it just helps with, you know, anabolic phase and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, three days was, was my weird thing this week. And then uh, the super nerdy thing I did is I watched all of the Star Wars movies so I can watch Force Awakens again. As nice. it should be. So I went back and, you know, watched them in the appropriate order. Not the order, the order they're actually in, not the order they should be in. My dog. What dogs do you have, man? I have a Boston Terrier. He's losing his mind. Um, he's decided that he wants to play right now. God damn it. <laughs> Calm down, dude. He's a little muscle dog. I, I don't, I, I wish I could just put a picture on him real quick, but he's like, you know what a Boston Terrier is, right? I mean, they're, they're small. He's like a, 30 pound Boston Terrier that's all muscle. He just always wants to play like a, just a, a, a nut. He's always running. I take him out for a run every morning and he just comes right back in. He's ready to play immediately. Oh, it's it's sure. so crazy. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, watch out. You might lose a limb. No, nah, he's, he's, he's all snarl. He gets all crazy and super hyper. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. All right. So let's talk about your new book, man. Sure. Tell me about it. So the new book is a sci-fi fantasy. I have trouble kind of categorizing it in a way that's meaningful because it's like a little bit space opera and it's a little bit, you know, just like traditional, you know, soft sci-fi. But essentially it takes place in this, uh, you know, fantasy universe um, where there's two warring factions, the Commonwealth and the Sovereignty. And um, they've been at war for, you know, kind of forever. And there's a zoo neutral zone and everything, all those kinds of things. And uh, But it follows these 16 characters that are all connected in a way that they don't yet understand. And they're all what's called primes. And so there's this mathematical equation at the center of the universe. And it has a lot to do with prime numbers. And, you know, I'm a math nerd. And so it kind of appeals to me in that way. Um, but anyways, they all have very distinct personality profiles because, you know, I went to school for psychology, so that was one of those things. And, you know, it, it follows each of them, and they're very, very distinct. The feedback, you know, thus far has been, you know, really, really great. But what's what's most rewarding to me is people are really recognizing that I put a lot of work into making the characters very distinct, the way they talk, what they care about, just like you would with two people who have very different, you know, or contrasting personality styles. But anyways, it's going to be a six-book series, and these primes, they kind of die – over the course of the six books until the final book and the smallest prime number is two, right? So it goes from 16 uh, to two characters. Of course, there's a host of other characters, not just two characters in the whole book. That'd be a really boring book. Um, but, you know, every time there's a prime number, they gain um, 
powers, for lack of a better word. So I, that, well, that's why I kind of struggled to, you know, to, to appropriately put it in the genre because it's got kind of like a superhero thing going on, and it's got definitely got the sci-fi thing going on. It's definitely got that you know big space opera kind of thing going on. Um, and in the first book, you kind of just get in the broad strokes of the universe. You kind of introduce the characters, you kind of introduce the overall conflict, and I did something kind of weird with this book that people seem to like. I'm not really sure yet, but I uh, I purposely didn't assign a race to anybody, which okay. sounds which sounds odd. And I did it for a really simple reason. I I, I get sick of he- hearing people talk about that actor is not right for that role from this book. And it's like it doesn't. I mean, not that my books are ever going to turn into movies, but if they did. I don't want the, that to even be a question. It's like they look however they look. Like they cast Idris Elba. Idris Elba is the right person. Like I, I don't, I don't give a shit. Okay, they cast John Cho. Perfect. Like if he, that, that's who they think does it. Fantastic. You think it's Robert De Niro? Fantastic. Um, but I kind of did it on purpose because I got sick of that discussion, and uh, it doesn't really impact anything. You're not reading it, thinking, oh man, look at this. You know, Jackass is you know writing his characters like this. I just, I didn't even think about it. Like I didn't at any point think this is what the character looks like. I kind of. Veered away from what the character looks like, and I let the character's actions kind of dictate the kind of character they were, and their decisions, um, and how they interacted with other characters that you know reflect the same kind of paradigm. So, uh, long story. It's a sci-fi book. If you like sci-fi, you dig it. If you like fantasy, you dig it. If you like Stranger Things, you'll dig it. I love that goddamn show. Um, have you seen that? Have you seen Stranger I, Things? Dude, it's on the list. Oh, watch it. It's been more than three days. I'm tempted to spoil it for you. But dude, no. watch it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. <laughs> it's, um, it's one of those like 80s throwbacks that feels like equal parts The Thing and The Goonies and a Spielberg movie and a little bit of horror thrown. It's, oh, man. That's what I hear. It's um, so it's, good. It's, it's, it's on my list. I, like, I barely have time to watch Yeah, I know I'm the same way. Yeah. Television and it's I, when I get home and after this is done, like, I'm going to go watch a couple of shows or episodes of something with my wife. Yep. And she's not going to, she's not into Stranger Things. She doesn't want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not into violent horror television shows. Um, it's not that violent, to be honest. It's more like... What, what really bugs me is she got me into Death Note, the anime. Yep. And I'm that's like, it's way more violent. That's it's way more violent. Well, but... it's it, it's also a cartoon. Yeah, that's but true. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'll get home and I'll be like, oh, let's watch some Death Note because I got to get through this. Right. And she's like, no, I don't want to watch that. Uh. And I'm like, how did you get me started <laughs> on this? But now I can't finish it. Oh, like, that's her. Yeah. Her and I have so few shows we can watch together. Yep. Like it's. The shows that we watch together that we both enjoy are like Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. Yeah, that's and, a good one though. <laughs> and My Little and My Little Pony. Well, that's a weird one, but no, dude, <laughs> the show's brilliant. Um, it, it had its time and place. Yeah, it definitely had its time and place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rick and Morty, maybe, but I don't know. I do, I do like Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty's brilliant. Um, but it's like then there's the shows that we watch together that. Only one of us enjoys. She enjoys her keeping up with the Kardashians. And I enjoy my WWE. Mm-hmm. And so it's just trying to be like, find time when she's not around that I can watch Stranger Things. Sure. Is next to impossible. I'm sorry. I completely derailed that conversation. No, that's all right, man. I, I, I would say it's worth the effort because I haven't met one single person yet 
that didn't like that show. Yeah. Like that one single person. I, I don't. There've been a whole bunch of radio shows. I keep talking about because I, I, uh, I followed David Harbor on on Twitter and he followed me back and I was like, holy shit, he followed me back. So now I gotta like talk about the show all the time. And, it's, and um, it's like they need your publicity for some reason, right? I don't know. But anyways, I can't. <laughs> it's such a great, oh, such an incredible show. Yeah, it's eighties throwback nostalgia, man. You gotta. Just be like, just watch just one episode. And if you don't like it, we'll just don't worry about it. Oh, no. See, the thing is, I know I'm going to love it. I know. <laughs> You're like, damn it, she hates it. Now i got to find time to watch all, I think it's only eight episodes. Yeah. Those are some. Um, all right. Um, anyways, yeah. No, so the what, what is the name of the book again? Oh, Sixth Prime. I don't think I ever said Sixth Prime. And is this, this is the first book in this series? Yeah, it's a little confusing. <laughs> it's going to go Sixth, Fifth, Fourth, Third, Second Prime. But Prime, okay. the Sixth Book and Sixth Prime is the first book. Um, it's just because six prime is 13. So there's 16 characters at the beginning, you know, surprise, surprise, there's 13 by the end. Hence, okay. hence six prime, right? And each book's a countdown, right? So the fifth prime will be 11 and then seven and then five and three and then two. Okay. Uh, I yeah. dig it. Um, where, what other books are similar that people can find others of your books or what are your other books about that people might be into? Uh, the one most similar to six prime would be Cerulean dreams, which was another sci-fi type book and the path of the fallen. And they, they, they've been all, both been out of a couple of years now, a few years for path of the fallen. Um, and they, they're your, you know, usual kind of sci-fi fantasy fair. Uh, the book that I'm most well known for that I sell a bazillion, not a bazillion, but you know, a lot of copies is bitten. And it's, uh, it's about this female FBI detective, uh, who investigates supernatural murder mystery type things. And the first one, she's in up in northern Minnesota, because I lived there once upon a time, and it's about a werewolf and her kind of hunting down this weird serial killer, and there's a werewolf there. Um, it's a bunch of supernatural thriller type stuff. Oh, very cool. And uh, they've done very well, and people really still kind of dig them, and it has a lot of reviews and everything else. So that's the one, if people want to read something by me, I usually just say, go you know, go read Bitten, because um, people seem to kind of enjoy that, even though, honestly, it's not my favorite book. But people really like it, so I'm very, yeah, very satisfied with that. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. Where can people find your books and then where can they also connect with you? I can find my books anywhere books are sold. Um, I make the most money, which I suppose doesn't really matter to a cash reader. If you buy it off of Amazon, um, cause I'm in one of their programs, uh, but you can buy it wherever books are sold. Uh, I'm on Twitter, author Dan O'Brien. I have a website, author Dan O'Brien. You can find me on Facebook. Surprise, surprise, author Dan O'Brien with an E, not an A. Um, and O'Brien, not Dan. It's not Den, O'Brien. <laughs> Dan. O'Brien. So Brian with an E, not with an A. I realized right when I said it, I was like, there's an A in both of those. But it's even <laughs> Brian. Um, oh, Dan. Oh, my God, man. I love you, dude. But uh, yeah, um, anywhere you know, books are sold, you can find me online. I, I, when people follow me, I always follow back because it's the internet. You know, who cares? Sure. I'm not too worried about numbers. So, yeah. and, and we will, of course, as usual, everyone hears me say this every damn week. Um, we will include all that stuff in the show notes. Everyone head over there, head to Dan's Amazon page. Um, and if you don't mind, can I just say everyone, if you haven't, if you don't know about smile.amazon, choose your favorite charity and then go to smile.amazon and then a portion of whatever you buy gets kicked back to the charity. Great thing. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, that is a great thing. Well, it was, I was... I was contemplating whether or not to set up an affiliate account so that I could just send people to Amazon through my website and I would get a kickback. Sure. And I thought to myself, 
there's no because I would rather people give the money to Boys and Girls Club or St. Jude's or whatever. Yeah, St. Jude's. Like, like let's. I don't need the two cents a year I'm going to get from an Amazon affiliate program. Sure. Um, I would rather people give it to organizations with a wider reach than me. Absolutely. No, that's a, I I would encourage folks to do that as well. Even if you don't buy my book, then you go buy somebody else's book. Um, definitely do the smile Amazon thing. Like it's, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a really good thing to do. And, um, do you have any go to nerd or fitness apps? Um, or resource, doesn't have to be a mobile app, um, that helps you with your goals, any goal, either fitness or writing? Um, I mean, not really, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I like the Rock app that he just put out, where he, like, wakes oh, you up God. with his voice. That thing, I downloaded it just so I could have I don't really use it, but that's a, that's a pretty fun thing. Like, oh, I, if I, you haven't done I it yet, that I, app. yeah, that's pretty, like, the Rock yelling at you and telling you what to do, I, I'm kind of into that, so... That, that would be the only one. Um, I, I go to the Nerdist a lot, but the Nerdist really doesn't, you know, do anything relative to me, you know, my goals. Um, but yeah, no, I, I can't think of any. For uh, sure. It keeps, uh, keeps you updated on nerd, nerd yeah. culture, yeah. nerd stuff. Exactly, yeah. Right. So, I already told you this one was coming. Last question. What parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening? Fail forward. Don't be afraid. And, uh, People always say live your life like you don't have a tomorrow, but live your life as if tomorrow was going to be the worst day of your life. Like do everything today that you really, really want to do because you don't want to look back in 50, 60 years and say, I wish I wrote that book. I wish I got in shape. I wish I'd run that marathon. I wish I'd taken up swimming. I wish I'd gone hiking with my wife more. Just go do it. There's never going to be motivation. There's never going to be a best day for it. Um, do it today. God, that's awesome. I love that. Cool. All right. Dan, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I've loved having you. Loved this conversation. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Like I said, this is one of my absolute favorite interviews I've ever done. We got to talk about lifting and nerdy stuff, so that's a good mix. Right? Dude, I love hearing that. I love it when, when – we're going to talk about this more uh, off the air, but I love hearing that, dude. Um, it's, what I, it's what I aspire to, to do is I want everyone to leave here saying, God, that was a fun interview. It was. It definitely was. Um, so thanks again, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Always appreciate it. Always appreciate your feedback. Love the feedback, you guys. If you're not already following me on all the socials, search at Dumbbells Dragon. Um, subscribe. Love me, like me on iTunes so I can move up those charts, reach more people, uh, get a bigger audience, get bigger guests, get you guys bigger interviews. Um, so yeah, thanks a lot guys. Work out nerd out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.